This is part one of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, I pushed the button. Oh, I see the numbers counting down. Okay, here we go. We're going to talk about Woof today. So Woof is Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And uh, to kind of just get the ball rolling, I mean, there's four of us here. And all four of us have been hosts in the past to Woof. Um, for me, not only here, but also out on Mount Spokane. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about being a Woof host as well as being a Woofer and how to optimize that. Um, but, but I think what I want to do is just kind of go around. Everybody can introduce themselves and talk about, like, uh, for a minute or so about uh, uh, what are, like, how many Woofers have you hosted and, and like, what are your experiences in this space kind of a thing. Not, Hey, I'm Josiah. Um, <clears throat> most of my experience has been as a woofer. Um, 2016, I went and traveled around Spain and woofed on a couple different farms and really enjoyed it. Um, I also lived in and operated uh, inside of a communal farm where we hosted woofers, and I got to manage them along with the other cooperators. Didn't you? You used to also do a. Um, uh uh, market farming, and then you have some woofers then, or did you not have woofers? No, I was. I mean, all the people who worked there were paid. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. But I, yeah, I do know. I do know people who have woofers on their market gardens. And that's a different story. Hi, I'm Jen. Um, I ran a cattle ba- cattle ranch back in Texas before coming here, um, and at one fairly brief period, I had three woofers. Um, my experiences were not particularly positive, which we'll get to hear about later, um, but I think that was probably on me as much as them. And um, I've never worked as a woofer myse- myself, so that was my only experience with it. All right, next up is Ron. Ron, have you, have you ever been a woofer? I have not been a woofer, Paul. I would have loved to have been a woofer. When I found out the organization existed, I was a woof host. Yeah. Well, actually, became a woof host after I found out it existed. Um, but when I found out how extensive it was, I would have thought, wow, I would have loved to have been woofing before being a woof host so I can gain all sorts of experience from around the world and see how the other people are doing it. Um, but I was tied into being a woof host at the time. All right. Now, um, I, I want to do a quick thing. It's like, uh, how many how many woofers have each of you hosted? I would have to say that on Mount Spokane, I probably only had three or four. And then here at Wheaton Labs, for actual woofers, not counting gappers and not counting boots, I would say we've had nine. And that's the extent of my experience with being a Wolf host. So the number? Um, probably between 20 and 30 at the cooperative farm. Yeah. yeah. Three. Uh, between 50 and 100 over the course of five years. Yeah. Okay. So now um, the, the, my opening line on all of this is I want to say a thing, and Ron is going to say a different thing. And <laughs> and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but, but I have... Um, 
for the role that I play, I've traveled a lot, and in some of my presentations, I talk about Woof, and um, and I advocate it. And um, uh, and then I get people who talk to me, whether in person, face-to-face, about their experiences with Woof. Um, and, and oh, I should, I should mention, I, I think I've got a note in here about mentioning this car ride I once had with several different farmers who each had experience with Woof. Um, but, all right, skippity, skippity, skip. I want to say a thing. I'm going to pass it to Ron. And then uh, the other two of you can get a chance to kind of chime in on what your experience is. But So I've talked to all these different people who have been Woof hosts. And then there's all of the discussions that have happened on Permies and other places online where there are other Woof hosts. My conclusion is 90% of Woof hosts say never again. And so that's so I want to I want to get into that a little bit why they had a bad experience and stuff but um, uh, Ron has a different position. Well, I uh, have met with a lot of Woof hosts over several years, and my conclusion is that more like 10% are saying they don't want to do it again because there's a lot of potential hassles, and most of the, the Woof hosts have um, like Woof woofers themselves have had relatively decent experiences and there are some very extreme experiences uh, on either spectrum but uh, it's my experience with over 2,000 farms that if 90% weren't going to be hosts anymore then that would leave just a few hundred farms so it seems like there's still really a heavy duty into doing hosting. Yeah I would say that I've probably visited with more than 100 former woof hosts or woof hosts and I and I'm going to share a couple of very positive experiences as well as you know I'm going to, I want to start off with a 90% that never again and then and then circle back to how to make this experience be a more positive experience for everybody is is why I think is the mission of this I think we're all agreed the mission of this podcast is to talk about how to have great success with woof. Yes. Um, I don't know that I am willing to come down on either of your sides as far as the statistics. Um, most of the discussions I've had have been negative, but I think that's because most of the time when I get drawn into conversations about Wolf, it's like, oh, let's compare our battle scars kind of conversations. It's not really about the positive aspect, so I couldn't give you a number in that regard. Um, I like to think about it as rephrasing rephrasing that statistic maybe as like 90% of people who try hosting woofers probably aren't set up or shouldn't host woofers just because maybe they don't have the right situation or they don't have the right aptitude to be a host. Um, but I, I've had overwhelmingly good experiences with uh, with woofing and, and work share, um, work trade type deals. So yeah, I'm, I'm more on the positive end. <clears throat> so... Uh, my next note in here is that it's too bad Fred isn't here. Right. Not only has Fred hosted a lot of woofers, but Fred has been a woofer, and I and I um, I just I just think Fred would have a lot to add to this podcast. But of course, uh, we're coming up on Christmas, and um, and and Fred's off with his family right now. So um, in fact, we're kind of we're we're down to what. Five or six of us, six of us, if we count Jocelyn, um, who are here right now. Am I not thinking of somebody? Nope, this is it. it. Most people are off doing Christmassy things and stuff. So, all right. <clears throat> what? What? Oh, no. just leaving in two days. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay, so the goals of this podcast um, are we're going to talk about how to make the best of being a host, how to make the best out of doing woofing. 
um, and to travel outside of the wolf limitations. And so I kind of feel like we traveled outside with the Gapper program here, and then we're traveling even further outside with the boot camp program here. And so I kind of want to um, kind of th throw those into the mix as we talk about these things. So let's, let's now talk about what is the WOOF program. And so I, I believe that, first of all, there's the whole hours thing. And um, uh, so a woofer is going to be somebody who's going to travel to your farm. And uh, the woof program says that it, they, they're, they work 20 hours a week in exchange for um, uh, you know food and possibly a place to pitch a tent. And then, but there's a, a high end, and it's like apparently 36 hours per week is the high end. And so it could be, you know, so there could be a 36. Um, and so Ron's shaking his head. Ron? I just went to the Woof page today just to clarify what I thought. Yeah. And uh, what they're looking at is 46 hours a day, 5.5 days a week. So it's in, in there, but um, that's a guideline. But if you're uh, right. a host that has, like, projects on a project-based farm, uh, then you just say we work till the project is complete, and then you know compensate for you know overage on time if necessary. But most of the people have too much fun to want to yeah. stop. Right now, I think I've got a whole bunch of stuff to go over here about what the WIF program is, but um, I <clears throat> I think that everything at the WIF pages and there's a bunch of different WIF pages. So like there's like WIF all the WIFs kind of WIF. And then there's like a different woof thing for each country, right? My experience is only woof USA. So, um, so that's all I know. Right. There's woof USA. Right. And yeah. then there's like for each country there's a different woof. But there's like there's like a master starting point woof that um, and it's spelled like W W O O F um, dot org I think. And um, uh, but anyway. For a long time, I had a great relationship with those guys. I had a big link on Permies to them, and they had a big link to me. Um, but uh, then, then they did a, a, a website overhaul, and I fell off that website. <laughs> but that was a long time ago. Um, all right. Um, okay, maybe a bunk, maybe a place to pitch a tent. Um, uh, so, like, sometimes... You could provide a bunk if you wanted to, and Jen's going to go into this uh, in, in a lot of detail. But um, I think a, I think a lot of woofers, it's just uh, you pitch a tent, and and that's that's where you're living while you're there. And uh, generally, the food that's provided is food staples, kind of like what we do at the boot camp right now, right. Um, the basics, um, and uh, uh, not not fancy food. It's generally never cooked for you. Um, you might you might um, uh, participate in the cooking with the group. Um, oh, the the thing that the wolf kind of you know the pit. Oh, I wanted to say uh, the wording on the wolf site is worded extremely carefully. So I kind of feel like whatever we say is not official, no matter what we say, because I Agreed. think I think it's they're trying to say something like this is a travel opportunity. This is a, a a way to travel and see the world kind of a thing, and then you get to you'll you'll be able to build experiences or something. This is not a trade. This is def I think that that's the way that they're phrasing it very carefully because 
there's uh, a lot of sentiment over um, organic versus non-organic sites. Why do I have to pay for help and they get to have help for free? So there's, a, I think, a lot of lawyerly and legislative people that are trying to shut down Woof because it's unfair to non-organic entities. So Woof is worded extremely carefully. So I just I just want to say don't take our word for what this is. We're doing vagaries on top of their very carefully worded stuff. So um, moving along with uh, oh the promise travel the world on the cheap. So. Uh, you can, you know, travel to Japan, and rather than having to worry about, like, like you, you, you get there, and rather than like, oh, I gotta rent a hotel room and buy food there and all that stuff. Instead, you just make your destination be a woof site, and then, um, you know, you kind of work half a day and you, you know, kind of see the area um, half a day or something like that. That's that's kind of how most people think of it, I think. I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I want to travel to Japan and learn about Japan. I'm not really that interested in, like, the city living, but, you know, I'm, I'm up for learning a little bit about farming and then drinking in the culture on that site and maybe the little village nearby or something as opposed to, like, Tokyo. Um, so for a lot of people, it's a way to travel and see the world on the cheap. Um so let's see. Oh, and um, uh, fun, you know, so then there's, uh, let's see, hands-on organic experience. So everything on Woof may not be organic certified, but they at least embrace organic values or higher. Um, and this could be for some people, it's a uh, a path to employment. So it's like they can go and they can woof and they build up enough experience. Maybe later they'll get hired to do something. Because like when you hire a farm worker, it's like, well, what's your experience? Well, I've got 10 years of experience of building fence and chasing cows and and uh, driving tractors and all of those kinds of things. And therefore, they are now fully. In fact, um, I think I think that the going rate uh, for somebody with Five years of on-farm experience is probably like ten to twelve dollars an hour. Does that sound about right? That's about right in my area, which is quite rural. Um, it might be different for more urban farms. Yeah, okay. it's definitely high, definitely higher in Western Washington if you have that kind of experience. Oh yeah, what is it in Western Washington? Um, well, I would I would say that you can get upwards of fifteen if you're you know if you're interested in in taking on responsibilities you know besides just being like a picker or um, you know, operating in a packing shed. So, kind of tighten this thing up. But um, what would you say is the amount that somebody gets paid where they're not like a leadership person, but they're a laborer, and they've got like five years of experience? Um, you know, I, th- I think it's it's definitely above min- it's going to be definitely above minimum wage on organic farms. Um, I would say probably 14, 13 to 14. Okay. Um, the right. minimum wage in Washington right now is 11. So, you know, 12, 12 to 15 seems like pretty normal to me. Okay. I know that when I was 18 and I had I had experience, uh, I had like several years of experience that I got hired on like at the B.L. Davis Ranch for 3.75 an hour, which I think was the minimum wage at the time might have been 3.65 an hour. 
Um, and uh, but we also worked uh, 12 hours a day, seven days a week without overtime pay, which because agriculture is an exception to that. And in fact, agriculture is such an exception that it can pay you less than minimum wage, and you choose whether you want to do that or not. And so I kind of feel like there's a lot to be said. But if it's like the other thing is, is that if you're going to be on a farm at all, for a lot of farms, it's like. Do you have at least five years of experience? No, we're just not even interested in talking to you. Like, you know, we need somebody who knows how to operate the tractor and can possibly even repair it. And we need somebody who, you know, knows how to build a fence as opposed, because we don't have time to be teaching you that. And so it's like, okay, so Woof would be a place where you could start to get the very beginning of experience. Whereas like a lot of people, they grew up on a farm. And so they, they arrive in the workforce with like seven years of experience and they and they're now 18 years old jennifer's dying to say something i could tell well i was just going to say yeah i think in my area like for instance we'll hire quote unquote hire a kid in town they might get eight or ten dollars an hour for doing things on the weekends or it might be more like you can ride the horses on the weekend kind of thing but for a laborer who can work independently but isn't in a leadership role i would say 10 to 12 like i can send you out to the other side of the farm you won't break anything you'll actually do something and you'll come back at the end of the day like that's probably 10 to 12 in my area um and that's about i think set more by the fact that like farmers and ranchers in the area just don't make enough money to hire people at rates above that overall so that's kind of like what the labor market is set in the area right right and then um, I'd say that those same places it's kind of like oh what if what if this person has only one year of experience and it's like well I'm okay with taking one year of experience, but you better have, you know, um, Leon over down the road had better vouch for you about you were amazing. Totally. You know, like you were brilliant, you know, because, and without that, it's like, no way. Well, and that's kind of, that's kind of uh, getting into this, this path to employment that you were talking about where I've seen, um, you know, woofers, woofers show up, start working on a farm. And, you know, if they have a terrible reputation, they're going to leave the county because they can't go anywhere else. But if they work hard and they, they develop a good reputation, not only do does that reputation transfer to the rest of the farming community because farmers talk about it, but also um, they'll, they'll get to know about the farming community and they'll get to know other farmers personally that they could, um, you know, once they know somebody personally, it's a lot easier to get a job rather than just coming off the street um, applying to work on a farm. So, what are some other perks <clears throat> for being a woofer? Like, okay, so there's travel, you get to get some experience, um, and uh, it could be a path to future employment if this is what, you know, you groove on. Anybody got anything else? Um, I think just the opportunity to hang out with people who share your values, like be part of the farm community and hang out with hosts who are interested in the same things you are. Yeah, that's true. Finding people with values similar to yours, it can be tough. And and so this is a place to really start to bond with, you know, and, and have your own views possibly expanded. Like it could be a, a, a growth experience. And, well, what do I want to do? In fact, that's a note that I've got written down here. Um, do some woofers think they will get reprogrammed? And so they... They want to come out of the experience as a person with greater substance. So I kind of, this is kind of an odd thing, and I and I've I've seen it expressed on permies a bunch of times, and I've had a few people tell me about it. And I kind of think like, yeah, 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 I can I see that, and so it's somebody who kind of feels like. 
I, where, where a person might say, I do not like the person that I currently am, and I wish to be something more, something more substantial. Some, and I think some people might join the army just for this thing of like going, I want to be somebody else. And I'm glad that I'm okay with going into that so I could pop out the other side and be that somebody else. <clears throat> and I think like a lot of people might join woofing with the idea of like, I'm going to go into it and I want to be shaped. Right. I, I grew up this certain way. I don't like who, who I've become. I want to go in and get some substance. I want to build some muscle. I want to be somebody more. So that would be another... Thing, uh, uh, and I don't know what to call that. I don't know what the word for that is. Character building, perhaps? Um, I think there's another pretty similar phenomenon, but it's more like... Um, the like say a person would like like to go to like an artist colony or a spiritual retreat or something like very wholesome and away from the city but they can't really afford to do that yeah. um they'll do something like woofing or look into that opportunity to live like the wholesome rural life in you know a community it seems it seems like just traveling in general in general builds uh builds character and you you get life experiences and i think that that's something that uh, my generation definitely uh, thinks conceptualizes traveling in this way where you you leave home or you leave whatever it is your your static stagnant life and you're put through all these life experiences and you come out the other end um, so traveling traveling in general and then um, to get back to like woofing's value as as a traveler um, you talked a little bit about this where it's like I don't necessarily want to go do the tourist things I don't want to follow the tourist track I don't want to go to the cities and um, and see the sites. I'm much more interested in just living with people in the culture, and woofing is a great opportunity for that. And I can speak to it personally from one of my woofers. I don't have the word for it you're looking for, but he was quite successful down in the, in the southwest and was feeling like he's looking around and thinking, I'm not doing enough. I'm, not, I'm missing something. I'm not doing enough. I want to do more. So when he came up to my farm, uh, he started to be able to, you know, realize what he really wanted to do and be, and he's trying to follow that path now. And uh, as a result, he's one of my one of my best friends. And that's another thing in in the woofing. I find that several of my best friends are former woofers. I can say that as well as some of my former best friends were employees as a chef. But <laughs> still, it's like uh, meet some really really quality people. You want to hang on to them. And a lot of these that come through here, you would never have had the opportunity to meet without the woof experience or a similar experience. So just real quick, I want to point out that we got a, we're going to limit this to one hour because we're doing a special thing and we're trying to record some podcasts in the mornings while it's still kind of dark outside. And um, uh, this time of year, the days are very short in Montana. <laughs> oh, uh, Jose, I have one more thing to add to this? Well, just talking about the values that a woofer can get... Um on, for instance, on, on one of the farms that I was at, uh, where we were hosting woofers, there was this really unique op- educational opportunity where woofers could help with the home-scale dairy and um, and draft ox training. And so this is something that, like, there's two people on the West Coast who have a team of draft oxen and who actually train the train the um, the cows to 
to be work animals, and you could come as a woofer and just help out with that. So it's like really a really rare opportunity. Somebody who's doing this, you you know, there's no other exposure besides being a woofer and hanging out. Um, so there's a, there's I think there's a lot of opportunities like, opportunities like that because people who do rare um, sort of uh, heritage farm uh, practices might not have employees, but they will host woofers. Cool. So you get to have, like, um, in, in fact, on a ranch, it's kind of like you could get the whole dude ranch experience without the uh, $5,000 a week cost. <laughs> Accurate? Fair enough? Possible? Sort of? Kind of? A little bit? Not exactly, but kind One of? One rancher here. Um, <laughs> I definitely don't think they got that on my ranch. Um, <laughs> I was imagining more people that wanted to come for the educational opportunities for instance, like, you know, at one point when I had woofers, like, there was a calf that was turned the wrong way in the womb, and I had to correct that birth by hand, like the vet was somewhere else. And so, like, I thought they would be interested in perhaps experiences like that, more learning than the dude ranch experience. Turns out the three I had weren't at all. But I was leaning more in that direction than, like you know, the luxury resort That's direction. more hands-in than hands-on experience. <laughs> it was definitely yes. hands-in, yes. <laughs> so now, so, so Ron, you're pointing at uh, Jen as the ranch experience, but I, I've spent years uh, as a kid on a ranch. We had 500 head of uh, cattle, and, um, and in fact, I, I remember getting up in the morning to go feed the cattle, and it was cold enough that we were uh, competing to see who could grow the longest icicle on the end of their nose, because as you're sweating, an icicle starts to form on the end of your nose uh, when it's cold enough out, and so it's like we kind of had this little competition. But if you wiggle, it falls off, because your nose is warm, and it's a little bit, m- the icicle is, becomes shaped to the tip of your nose, and it's hold, hold in, held into place by suction, really. So woofers have an opportunity to have a competition. Uh, growing icicles on nice. the end of their nose. Nice. But that was on the ranch where it got colder than it does here. Um, and so I, But I got ranching experience. And so, but all right, all right. I, I think now we move into the thing of like, okay, what's the what's the benefit to the hosts? And and so the hosts, I think, are you know, and we're going to talk about this more in a moment. But free labor, and uh, we're going to talk about how well, not exactly. <laughs> and so, but okay, free labor is why a lot of woofers woof hosts want to be hosts. Uh, a lot of the same benefits and fun and sharing. I think, uh, I, and I think one of the things, I'm not sure it's on this list, is like, um, you're going to finally have people to hang out with all day, because it's like, it can be lonely farming, or, you know, and, and it's like, you're there by yourself, or you've got your spouse, or your spouse and some kids, or, you know, and it's like, the, the group is small, and it's kind of like, I am going to go stir crazy if somebody else doesn't fucking come by. So it's like having some like-minded people come by that could help you grow as a person. Yeah. It could be part of it. Um, so world travel comes to you. These people that have like traveled all over the place, plus they've lived someplace far away, they've got their stories to tell, and there's all these wonderful experiences you get to hear about, and it comes to you. You, you don't have to find somebody to watch the farm while you travel. Instead, you stay home, you continue to do your chores, and, they, and the people sharing even help out. Um, oh, here's a good one. The If you've got enough woofers, 
you now have the ability to leave for a day or two, as opposed to the general practice of where um, uh, you're going to leave and somebody else is going to watch your place and then they destroy it. You know, something goes wrong because they didn't care. Um, so, oh, here it is. Meeting cool people with similar values. All right. So the other other perks for Woof hosts. What? Just a, just list these off. We're gonna get into more details here in a moment. Um, I think one that we didn't write down, but Josiah reminded me of it, is just the ability to pass on knowledge. I mean, I think for a lot of people that's a factor, but especially if you have something rare like draft oxen or a heritage skill, you would really like other people to pick up that skill and not see it just like completely disappear which is happening a lot in farming and farm communities so I think that's an important one as well I think farming is like constant innovation like yeah. in order to keep everything working and I think a lot of farmers have come up with their thing that they've invented mm-hmm. only no one knows mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> totally I yeah. need an audience at least one person who saw that it exists and I got it to work yeah. like that yeah, yeah totally. anybody else got something to add to the list of like why be a woof host? Let's start off with free labor. And so, um, I, th- I, I mean, of course, okay, we're talking about we can get somebody with experience to come help on the farm for roughly 10 bucks an hour. I'm going to just say 10 bucks an hour. We're in Montana at yeah. the moment. So yeah, let's say, let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the minimum wage here is, I think, 850 an hour. Same in Texas. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, you can get a laborer for $10 an hour. And, um, and that's somebody with like a, probably a good five years of experience. Mm-hmm. And like they could build a shed, they could build a fence, they can, you know, okay, versus, a woofer. Now the laborer was going to work 40 hours a week, and then if you've got calving going on or shit happens or whatever, they're putting in that 80 hours a week as needed. And so, um, but of course it's a, it's ag. You don't pay time and a half. Right. It's a flat rate. Yeah. So, um, uh, woofer shows up, and um, maybe they're going to say. Because it says on the Woof site, four to six hours a day for 5.5 days per week. So it's kind of like they might subscribe to the four, even though you expressed it's the six. And um, so when you get to the, they, they, they get to what they believe is the four hour mark, and maybe they only put in two hours, but they have a way of saying it's four, usually by saying it very loudly, um, then, then it's kind of like they're done for the day. And now it's like you need some help right now. And what happens, Jennifer? Um, they sit there and don't help, um, in my experience. Um, they become very adamant about the fact that they've already put in their time for the day or week, even if they didn't put it in on the projects you asked them to put it in on, um, in my case. But I think Ron has had very different experiences. Yeah. There's yeah. Good, there's different people. Yeah. And so then I think that there's going to be some woofers that are going to be like, I know it says four to six hours, but I am here to put in 12. Because right. I want 12, I want to drink in 12 hours of experience. I'm not, I don't want to cheat myself by putting in only four. Ron? Yeah, I had one experience. As most of these are going to be nameless experiences, but also a lifelong friend now. But he came out in June, and he wanted to put in six. He wanted to work with me side by side and put in 16 hours a day because that's what he was going to be doing when he went to Alaska on a fishing vessel. Yeah. And so I basically was responsible for kicking his butt for uh, about a month until he went into 
uh, his uh, experience in Alaska. And then he came back afterwards and thanked me for it because it's like, I, I don't think I could have done it if I hadn't worked me so hard. <laughs> but uh, you, it, it goes to the host and the uh, communication you have with the woofer. Um, my farm is not hourly based. It's project based because everybody can say, hey, I put my four hours in or six hours in, but maybe they've only done an hour's worth of work or less. So I had to qualify that and say, okay, we need to do this certain amount of things today. If it takes less time, great. If it takes more time, then we're going to do that too. That just keeps people more honest about what they're actually doing with their time. Um, but uh, I've never had too much issues with people not wanting to put in the extra time as necessary, but it's because I've learned to be very selective about the people I have come to my farm mm-hmm. for various experiences that we'll get into later. Okay. And, and I think I think overall, um, uh, I know that, that, Jennifer, your experiences have been like, I mean, I think you're in the position like, I'm not going to do Woof again. That was... Un- that was uncomfortable. My experience. I'm gonna give you a second. Here, just a moment. by the way, if you guys have something to add, you do this, and then I'll like send the microphone over. But um, uh, I'm open to doing woof again, but um, it's like in a very controlled environment, and um, and I think it is something. And and so we'll get to that here in a little bit. But but you're gonna say? Um, I definitely there was a period of time where I was like never ever again. Um, but I think after, particularly after some of the conversations we've had here, I would consider doing it again um, if I were better prepared as a host, which I think was a lot of the problem, and if I were just more intentional and selective about um, the people I brought in and how I managed them. So I don't rule it out forever. So uh, the topic is free labor, mm-hmm. and I want to combine it with the thing that I've started with, which was 90% of Wolf hosts say never again. Mm-hmm. And so I think those 90%, the people that are they're like, I'm not going to ever do that again, then they, they thought they were going to get this laborer that would be working at a level, maybe not to the level of the $10 an hour person, like maybe half as much. Like their expect, expectations are low for free labor, but the thing is that the, you know they'll, they'll pay nothing. And instead, um, and most of the stories that I hear are that the, the work that they did was really awful, um, and that they they found ways to work like not even an hour a day and replace the other hours with a lot of complaining. But worst of all, they brought an enormous amount of drama. Whereas like when I worked on, I'm thinking like the B.L. Davis farm, when I worked there uh, and we got paid 3.75 an hour. The, uh, the, the, the farm bosses, um, working for them was very difficult. I imagine that by today's standards, surely somebody would file a fuck ton of lawsuits against these. In fact, this is where I learned that a complete sentence contains a noun, a verb, and two fucks. And so, uh, and I imagine in Texas there's some of that too. But these guys were mean. They, to everybody who worked there and was getting paid, and we all had experience, they, their, I think it's like their culture or something, it was really hostile. Like, I, I think people wouldn't believe how, if I told stories, you'd be like, I'm making that up. The level of outright hostility. And uh, if there were women there, Holy fuck! That's that's this is in the days before uh, Anita Hill, oh. but it's like um, 
the all of the things that feminism stands for. This was the poster child that would drive feminism for decades. Ah. This kind of behavior. So it's like it was just really bad, and I I can't. Im- so I kind of. So there's this bizarre hostility that is in most farms, and then, um, uh, and it's like, but but when you're a farmhand, that's what you put up with, and you 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 get your work done, and you put your nose to the grindstone, and you work hard, and um, and if you come up shy even 10%, there is somebody who takes pleasure in being psychotically angry about what a useless piece of shit you are. And it turns out they can take a lot of time to point out to a group what a useless piece of shit you are. So I kind of feel like, so there's there's this whole thing which kind of results in like, that's a strong management practice. You will work hard or else. But with a woofer, you don't do that. And so then, and then a lot of times they really need that, but you can't. They're 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 there for free. It's a whole different arrangement. It's a, okay. I'm gonna give it to Jennifer then Ron. Um, yeah, it's a very different dynamic. I've managed ranch hands, like hired and managed ranch ranch hands for money, and like I never got any shit from them. And they thought I was really fantastic because you know occasionally I like made them cookies and lemonade and didn't scream at them. Yeah. Um. So. Did any of them show up to work drunk? Uh. Well, <laughs> some of them, like, work drunk as a daily practice, but they still got their work done. They just did it while drinking, like, you know, two 12-packs of Bud or whatever. And I and I yeah. need to include that this is modern times, because back in my day, getting yeah. stoned, like, ever was kind of not a very common thing. But nowadays, so, like, they didn't even show up stoned to work. Uh, no. Uh, I'm in a pretty rural, conservative community, so none of them ever showed up stoned. Like, drinking yeah. is cool. Pot is not so cool where I'm from okay. in the farm community. All right. Yeah. All right. Ron? Well, just hearing all the stuff I hear about farms uh, makes me happy that I've never actually worked on a real farm. <laughs> you know, my, my experience, the experience people have had woofing at my farm is completely different. It's more of a, uh, it's semi-social but more personable, yeah. and it's more like we're, we want to strive to help the farm succeed. This is not about free labor to me. It's about passion and trying to get the experience out of, of permaculture and uh, that type of philosophy and lifestyle. Yeah. And that's why I'm at Wheaton Labs now is because I want to help promote that as well. I think the vibe here is I mean, it's it's like night and day compared to the stories I'm telling about when I worked on a farm as, as um, a 19-year-old. Right. And so I, I mean, I think things are here are sweet as pie. I mean, I, I also kind of feel like, and we're going to get to this, I kind of feel like we encourage people to show up with no experience, and we will carry them in a way. We will give them tasks that they are comfortable with, and there will be a lot of elbow-to-elbow work, which we're going to get into as we progress. I think I think that what we offer here now is like the best of what people going into Woof wish for. Um, but for those that wish for um, a 40-hour-a-week experience. I just want to add a quote from uh, one, of, one of the people that's at the farm right now. Uh-huh. They were working on doing some uh, stuff in the farm, and she says she jumped up. She says, this isn't work. This is life. So she was really getting into it, and uh, and that kind of inspired the other people. So yeah, this is just what you do to live. You know, you've got a farm, you got all this food. You're just making sure that your life is 
livable because you have all these calories growing in the fields and stuff. And it's right. a, it was really exciting to hear her say that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like work for the people who have the passion about it. It's more like this is a lifestyle. This is part of what you need to do to embrace your own life. Um, I wanted to speak a little bit to the free labor thing because I think Ron is right that that's not what the Wolf Program is about. But I was coming from a space of like perhaps not free labor when I was looking to host Woofers, but like non-cash labor. Like I was hoping that by being able to share like resources and information and a cool place to be with cool food to eat, that people would be really into that, and like that I could get some help in exchange. Yeah, and like I. I still think, while not, you know, like an evil way to look at it, I I think you need to go a step further and realize that you may get some help, but if your main motivation is like you need extra labor, you're going to be in a very precarious position as a wolf host because you're not going to necessarily get experienced people. You might be labor negative, at least for a period of time, because you're going to spend more time like teaching and fixing than you are going to get out in actual help. Yeah. So I remember at the B.L. Davis Ranch when I worked there, um, and, and uh, mostly uh, I drove wheat truck, I, I drove a, a pea, uh, pea harvester, we called him a pea stripper, um, and I later I drove a wheat combine for them, mm-hmm. and uh, there was like probably 200 other people waiting in line to take my job mm-hmm. and so and at the same time I'm 19 I'm having a hard time finding work anywhere and so that I felt very grateful to get this job and I was willing to put up with it but the, I guess the thing is and when I say free labor I kind of feel like okay so you know there's the stuff you pay for at $10 and the person's going to show up and there's going to be a certain amount of management that's required, but they're going to do a certain level of performance. Mm-hmm. But you're going to get somebody. So this is the woof host is thinking, like, I'm going to get somebody who's going to do free labor. So so the thing that seemed like what most people have, the 90%, where it's like, I'm not going to ever do that again, um, the people did not work. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're not used to that style of work or work. I mean, I think that there's going to be some people where it's like they grew up in a house and they were basically, I think modern society is such that if you're 17 years old and you're a student and when summer rolls around, you are to enjoy your summer as a 17 year old, Mm -hmm. you are not to work. And it's like, it's kind of forbidden. And so your life is video games and parties and going and hanging out with your friends at the mall or whatever. And then, and now you're 18. Get to work, asshole. You know what? You don't have a fucking job? What's wrong with you? And I kind of feel like, you know, our society and our school system, there could be some improvement in getting people prepared for the working world. Whereas I remember being like, um, hell, 11. And, you know, get to work, you know, and, uh, and so things seem different now. So anyway, people are going to show up in the WIF program and they possibly have never worked before. And so then the people had the expectations of like, I'm going to sign up and get all this free labor. And uh, right, they won't be as good as that $10 an, a- an hour person. Right. But um, I'll be able to, you know, get something out of them. So, so I think part of it is, is like, okay, I want you to go over there, and I'm going to show you what to do, and I need you to, I don't know, I, I, it's great comedy to hear the one pull weeds, and um, 
So I'm going to get them out there to pull these. And of course, they end up pulling up the plants too because they can't discern between. So I'll just pull up everything. <laughs> I don't know which ones are the ones you want to keep and which ones are the ones. So it's it's like, uh, all right. So so free labor. I think I'm going to get all this work and I'm going to pay nothing at all. And it's kind of like, and they're disappointed that it's like we actually went backwards. Yeah. And it's because they didn't, they weren't prepared. They weren't, they weren't providing what the woofers wanted, and they didn't provide it in a style that would have been mutually beneficial. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what. So, Ron, did you have something to add to that? Uh, I was just going to say the weeding thing. That's I think a host issue. They probably should have been a little bit more in guidance to teach the woofer that right. what's a weed and what's in not a weed. In this scenario, what like what you're you're expecting labor, but what you might get is is someone who doesn't know how to work and and also de- in order to do anything is demanding your undivided attention to teach them how to how to do their job. Yeah. And I think in this, you know, that's that's fine because um, most people need to learn um, how to do a task if you want to be satisfied with how they're doing it. But the the host themselves might not be ready to take on a management position like that. And then it's just frustrating and a a total clusterfuck for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I I think that that's where it goes into the whole space of like um, uh, giving somebody a task like saying, okay, you're going to do this, and I'll come back and check on you in two hours. And so I, I think all four of us at this table are agreed, that will not work. That does not work. It doesn't work even if, like, I mean, in your example, they didn't have the knowledge. Like, they didn't yeah. know the weed. In my example, which was, like, please dig out this pipe until you find the broken part, and, like, the pipe is continuous, and I dug out the first two feet for you. Yeah. Like, they clearly knew how to do that. They just quit after, like, four feet of pipe and went to do something else because I wasn't right there watching them. So, yeah. And yeah. Josiah didn't point at me because he's a kind person uh, when he was talking about like the host not being prepared for management but like yeah that was definitely the position I was in as well so I think that's a huge a huge factor no and and in fact I think uh, critically important of what you're so like because I I went through the exact same thing on Mount Spokane and so why weren't you there for those two hours elbow to elbow well, because I had, like, 50 other things to do on different parts of the ranch that were falling apart, like, with every breath I took. So I had to be elsewhere. And the whole idea of bringing woofers, in my case, was that I would have help to, you know, take care of some of those 50 things before the cows ended up on the highway, which didn't work because the woofer drove the tractor through the fence and then left. But anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not my fault I drove the tractor through the fence. That's no, your fault. And then on top of that, I don't know anything about getting cows off the road. Right. And And my four hours are up. So, like, I'm not going to help you get the cows off the road. Like, you've just got to go do that by yourself now because, like, we're after hours. Which is another point I think is really important is, like, I was imagining woofers as, like, baby farmers, you know. (laughs) And they're not necessarily. Like, they don't have that experience or thought process of, like, there's an emergency. It doesn't matter what time it is we need to take care of it or at least mine didn't it was like we're here to put in our hours and like then everything after that is your problem Mm -hmm. yeah uh so i i kind of feel like and this gets into a, a, a touchy space right so there's the agreement 
with woof, right. which is four to six hours. Yes. And then it seems like in your your posting on woof, you got to say we do the six. Right. It's it's the six. Yeah. And then I think that the next step is is that um, uh, you work on something, and then when you hit six. It's like they they can have the option to continue beyond six, and then probably half of them are going to opt out of continuing, and that's their option. Right. But of course, if they do opt out, you might think to yourself like, I haven't made this appealing enough or something like right. that. But um, uh, it gets I mean it does get kind of complicated, but it's like. Um, uh, I, I guess basically you're working with people who possibly have never worked in a job of any kind of before. And so rather than thinking of like, okay, if you work at McDonald's and you say that your shift starts at uh, uh, 9.30 a.m., you show up at 9.29 a.m. Yeah. And it's like, whereas they might be thinking here like, oh, 9.30 seems kind of early. I wanna, I'm going to sleep in until 11. And then I'm gonna, I've decided to move my six hours to four hours and I'm going to start at two in the afternoon because I'm just having trouble getting up today and facing the day and you're like I already planned the day for you showing up at 8 a.m. which is what we agreed to you know and it's like but all right we're talking about I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of woofers that are great and these all of these problems we're talking about are not problems and so I kind of feel like in the end part of the system is Bring in 20 woofers and then let 15 of them go home like they naturally pruned. And then the five that are remaining are the five that are like, this place is great. I like doing things here. And then the people that are like, I'm going to do everything in my power to get from the commitment of 36 hours a week down to two or less hours per week and still get food and hang out here. I think, in fact, um, Jennifer, your stories are so hilarious. I've, uh, what was the thing about squatting? Oh, man, yeah. Like, at one point, my my three woofers um, decided to sort of, like, hole up in the house I provided for them, which we'll get into, like, providing a house instead of a tent later. But, like, they started talking a lot about squatters' rights and things like that um, in order not to leave the house. Uh, which I put it into fairly rapidly at that point. But, yeah, they turned into, like, strange amateur lawyers with, like, a lot of kind of anarchist theory thrown in. And and they made up some new laws. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of laws. It, you know, in Texas, you can't actually, like, squat in a house that you're not renting on someone's <laughs> private property, but they thought you could. Yeah, I imagine in Texas that there's a, the, the laws have been optimized to favor Texas. farmers and Texans <laughs> over uh, migrant, let's say, call, let's say migrant workers. Right. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that going on in the political system in Texas. <laughs> and I mean, in general in Texas, like everyone is pretty in favor of the idea that you can just like shoot people that you don't want on your property, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
and that's the way it should be. <laughs> so they weren't coming from a very strong position. Right. Yeah. They, they forgot they were in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, uh, all right. Anyway, these are these are the darker stories. Uh, not everybody's like that, but but it is kind of funny how it. And and I think that the purpose of this podcast is like, okay, let's look at the dark stories and right. figure out how to. Because if you've got somebody that's wonderful, if everybody who came from Woof to your property were the awesome kind, everybody would be like, I'm definitely doing Woof. And the 90% of people that are saying, like, never again, they'd be like, oh, no, there'd be 0% say never again. Because everybody's like, it was always awesome and wonderful and perfect. I'd love to do it again. And, um, and, and Ron, who seems to have the highest praise for Woof at this table, he also has stories that are, like, the darkest I have ever heard for Woof. And most importantly, we are out of time. Oh, <laughs> so it's time it's, it's time to go and, and, and so what are you guys working on today just for just for hoops perm <laughs> shed what do we do all day pinky <laughs> try to finish the perm shed but the perm shed is almost done and it's looking really awesome it's I completely lo- covered and waterproof right now and we can so, store stuff in it now yeah. the yep. end is a design that is really cool I think and we just need to do the facade um, I mean, it's like it's, it's and the other end, and, and the, the other, other end. It's, it's like <laughs> almost the one that's been sitting there. What are we gonna do with this? Yeah. <laughs> so now that we figured out what we're gonna do with it, we gotta do it. Okay. Uh, I was just gonna say I really love Ron's design for the end of that berm shed. It's been really fun oh, working with him. We're calling it Ron's design now. <laughs> it's Ro- really. It's a cooperative. You and Fred came up with the same design that I came up with a month ago. Uh, so, uh-huh. and I even shared it with Josiah before I came and talked to you. So we know that I had actually designed that same thing. So, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> right, right. Sure. Extra uh, pizza pie for you. Okay. And Josiah? Um, there's a lot of snow. It'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. And we're, we've been kind of planning, like, the work on the berm shit will have to stop at some point. We're going to, I mean, the next next step is a whole lot of stuff up at Allerton Abbey. We're going to build the fence around Allerton Abbey, and we're going to get it to girditude. So, um, and what is the big push this spring? Food. 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 Food systems. Yeah, food. 50,000 times more calories. (laughs) (laughs) So um, uh, Ron, of course, has grown um, uh, big food systems. Josiah has grown big food systems. And so uh, we're going to do lots and lots and lots. It's all about food. So right now, the next step is order. We're not feeding the deer. We're going to do lots of junk pole fence. And uh, once it's all fenced in, then we can grow massive, massive food systems. And so it's like a, this winter is a, and there's a bunch of other stuff to Allerton Abbey. We want Allerton Abbey to be beautiful and magnificent. And there's, and of course, we just finished the podcast talking about um, the annualized thermal inertia tests. So it's like, uh, and this winter is going to be a lot more focused on Allerton Abbey. Um, and then come spring, food, 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 food. And I know that this fall, there was a lot of seeds put in the ground. A lot of. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. And so we should see lots of baby fruit trees popping up. Well, let's hope so. A lot of the seeds were put in areas that aren't yet protected by junk pole fence, like Fred's plot. Um, thousands and thousands of seeds. Um some of which were eaten right in front of my face by squirrels. Um, but we have high hopes. It's so rude! Squirrels! So rude! Okay. All right. Uh, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about woofing and homesteading 
in permaculture all, all the, the time. time. This podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.